Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Talking Stations. I'm your host, Rain. I'm joined by Madderall. Madderall over here. Yeah, I'm moving around. Oh, now, now you're super moving. All right, Madderall's pushing all the buttons behind the scenes, engineering, and we have a little bit more announcements. So we haven't done a show for quite some time. We've had some staffing changes at Talking Stations, the big one being Artemis, our CEO, stepping down. She has had a real life like job change, a job move, moving across the country, items such as that, where she was just unable to run the show. And as such, she stepped down from talking to station duties, as well as probably just in general, Eve Online stuff, taking a break from gaming world to make sure real life is all settled. So we wish her the best and she is always welcome back here. And I actually hope we get to see her sometime soon. And then coincidentally, as that happens, we have Matterall joining us. So Matterall has real life changes too. And he actually is like, hey guys, I finally have some free time. What a coincidence. So now he is back. Do you want to go into that more, Matterall, of what, what's happened in your life, how, how, able, how you're able to help with TIS again? Yeah. Hello again. The First, I'd like to talk about Artemis a little bit because Artemis is fantastic in stepping in and stabilizing everything at a time when I had to take off. As COVID was ending, there was... A need to go back to real life in a serious way. And so I had a job change at that time as well. And it was a job with a lot of responsibility. So I really had to take that seriously. And it's not compatible with trying to run this second job of a show talking in stations. So the most dependable, and for me, my heroine is Artemis. And she was amazing at knowledge and stepping in and just giving the place a good management that it needed and bringing a really good perspective with her to this game. So, you know, it's just great. So, but as time went on, I got more stable at work and let me actually let me manage this a bit better. I got more stable at work and it's been a year now and uh, Artemis, you know, had uh, real life to tend to, which is great. It's kind of a tag team. And uh, Rain stepped in as host, which was great. I couldn't think of anyone that could host TIS in the way that it kind of needs to be hosted. Someone who's fair but firm, holds holds equal balance of, you know, appreciating the game for what it is, for what's important about it, and also holding groups accountable for being dipshits and, you know, not backing down when there's pressure. And, and, and that takes a particular type of person that's strong inside and rain is that. So, so she was great up front. Artemis was great running everything in the back. And inevitably this is a very big endeavor. A few things happened again, a little more past here. A few things happened in the last year in that CCP opened their own Discord channel. So a lot of activity that might have been in Talking and Stations moved over to there. And and that's okay. That's great. We actually encouraged them. We we actually suggested that they take over Talking and Stations Discord and just rename it. You know, just take it. We were we wanted a place where Eve players could meet. And we thought we always thought they should have a Discord channel. But they were late on that, or they they just didn't want to deal with the mess, but they've handled it very well. So a lot of like the Talking in Stations crowd that was here went over there, which is totally fine. 
but our our discord has a channel that is like five times more active than anything else and it always has been and so that channel still goes it's it's kind of a behind the scenes invite only channel and our staff channel is also very busy because we have experts from all over the game from different levels of the game you know levels of experience levels of levels of involvement i think because some people are leaders and some people are not leaders but they're specialists and so there's all that and then there's different play styles so it's a real cross mesh three or four different ways oh also we you know talking in stations i think we don't we never got enough credit for this in my opinion but we're a very diverse place and we have people from all over the world and we have people from all over America in from, you know, different groups. And we have a lot of a mixture of gender uh, across gender and then also across just just people in general. We, we have a mixture of people that I've really been happy with. And that was very intentional. I never pointed it out because it's really not Eve related, right? But Eve Online is basically, you know, tech guys in their 30s or some college students. And we we didn't want just that opinion. So we went and got people from all over, different age groups, some people that are, that are ancient, like, you know, me, I'm getting there. And there are people who are very young. And so we had all that. So that was great. You're talking staff channels too, right? Not just I'm, the people who join TIS, but the actual staff. Yeah. Yeah. I'm talking especially staff channels here. Like the, the group that constitutes TIS and the people that we reach out to are very diverse. And so always promoted that. So everybody else in this game, you know, needs a model of, of that because the game can grow bigger than just, you know, tech guys in their thirties. Anyway, so things changed around and uh, i after a year and it took a year feel pretty good about some of the stability at work you know i I think i've learned the things i need to learn to do that job and uh, and so i have some more time so i decided to come back and so i will be back periodically at talking in stations doing the podcast again with rain rain remains the host right rain (laughs) yeah i I was asked to do other responses. I said, no, that's too much effort. I just like hosting, which means I have to wake up early on a Sunday and talk to people. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's been a lot of, I mean, it's been a lot of fun hosting. I've been doing it. I did it before you left. And I mean, it's been great meeting people, talking to people. I get to learn a lot, which I feel kind of, I don't know. I feel really like elementary when it comes to some of this stuff where asking people questions and having them explain things. But at the same time, I always have the concept of, well, if they can explain it to me, so I understand it like industrial or some of the manufacturing stuff, then at least then I know, hopefully someone who is brand new to the game or may not know anything about the game can learn. Cause a lot of my knowledge is elementary, unless we're talking Alliance tournament. Like that's kind of where I thrive and like any sort of large fleet engagements where I can fly Lodgy and stuff like that. Yeah. It's so funny. I don't see you as, having shortcomings in that way because i think even when you came on can i talk about rain a little bit it doesn't have yeah to if be, you want it, like when you first came on it was just kind of in a social way and you were already compelling then right and then 
over time, you just easily started to show your expertise, even when you were growing through your Tristan phase. <laughs> and Oh, yeah, just in general in EVE. I mean, yeah. yeah, a lot of what I do, one thing I learned in EVE, especially because EVE is a very meta and social game, is that people can and will lie to you because it makes it easy for them to get what they want, right? And so if you're in any sort of social standing, if they say, hey, Rain, like, this is a huge issue. You need to promote it. And I'll be like, well, I don't know anything about that. And they're like, no, trust me. Oh, don't. Right. And so then you repeat what they say. Then eventually, right, like that spreads. Right. So but what I've learned and before even I became like streaming or social was to ask multiple people their opinion because then eventually if they're all the same opinion, ideally, that is the quote unquote right answer. Um, so I did that when I would like level my skills. Like I remember Somebody told me, I remember one one person told me like rockets were trash. So I never leveled rockets. And then I met Suetonia. Suetonia is like, no rain, rockets are really good. Right? So I eventually leveled rockets. But that, that was how I've always approached everything in EVE. And so that's how I've always kind of had, like when you stream it and you have 50 people watching you stream and they all say, rain, you're doing it wrong. You have to overheat your micro warp drive, but don't overheat your web. It just makes the range longer. It doesn't make it stronger. Then it's like, okay, now instead of me having to, spin my wheels reading about the game right because the game's super overwhelming i still get overwhelmed with it yeah i can just instead trust my twitch chat hopefully twitch chat never lies right and just do that and that's kind of how we do it here at tis you bring these experts on but they have to stand by their opinion in front of everyone and maybe maybe their in-game opinion is you know biased or maybe only has like a certain niche but it's still their opinion and we still would like to believe that opinion but they also have to be able to stand to Twitch chat saying, no, wait a minute, what about XYZ? And we, we kind of do it in a way that's not like, what is it, like Trash Talk Tuesday? Trash Talk Tuesday is fun because you can like literally call people out on their BS. But here it's a little more tame where, you know, we can kind of field the questions and ask it in a nice, friendly manner and not let people like yell over each other. I think that's the blood sport over there, wasn't it? The, uh, that's yeah, it I do kind of like that about... I do. I like it about Trash Talk Tuesday, and then Open Comms was like that for a while. But there's always a need for some mellow stream, and that's I think fits the vibe of a Sunday morning stream that Talking Stations does. Yeah. Well, it started out as a podcast. It always meant to be a podcast to give people information on the game, and it was what's going on. And sorry about the uh, messing with this thing. So it was always like a podcast with the player in mind that needed to improve. That's how it was built. That's my entire offering to EVE Online players as a person. My offering is that if you like this game and you're interested in it and you want to get better at it, then let me try to translate some things for you. I totally agree that people will lie to you and it depends on agendas and it depends on, you know, what their experience is, which is why you need diversity, which is if you want to get an opinion that feels a little more whole, you don't ask the same type of person the same question because they'll tell you all the same things because they learned it from each other. And uh, and so that's the difference. I think that's the TIS difference, really, is the diversity of gameplay. The we, we speak to people from all levels and that sort of stuff. But yeah, so that that's part of it. I love that, too, because people... <laughs> People lying to you is such a big part of the game. And I think people play that off as like, hey, I'm just playing the game. If they are intentionally, a lot of people lie to you out of ignorance, right? Because they just have what they have. They have what they inherited. They have what someone told them. They have what other Eve media has told them and what Reddit tells them and everything. And that's all they have. And so they may not be intentional in, in being wrong, but 
they don't have the time to be any better than that. So they don't have time to find people that are not like them and talk to them and stuff. So that that's the big thing. And, but I do like that, what you said there, because one of the things that really bothered me and really prompted me to do anything like this was I would constantly hear, don't bother doing that in the game. It's not, that's not, you know, worth doing. And it just depends on who you are, what you want to do, because everything is worth doing in EVE Online. It just depends on what your goal is. If your goal is just to make money so you can pay for your account, well, certain things you can rule out. But if that's your only goal, I don't think, I, I just don't think you're going to experience the game in its holistic, you know, offerings. Yeah. Okay. So again, I'm coming back to TIS. I, I started writing newsletter again. I had to stop that because I got super busy at work. I'll probably start writing that once again. If you're not on that newsletter, we have an in-game newsletter. It comes to you in your mailbox. When you open up your client, there's a new mail. It used to come every day and it was just, you know, what's going on in EVE Online. And it's, it's changed a little bit in that it's now five days a week and it's, it was even too much, too much information for people. So we're probably going to go to periodic, which will be, you know, two, two, three emails per day. And that can be found in your mail. Uh, if you subscribe two to the three mail emails list. per day, I used to do five days a week. Yeah. No, okay, no, not, so wait, not how, day, how's not the day, per week, per week. Oh, per week, two per to three week. days per week. Okay. Thank you for correcting. Yeah. Okay. So just that, making sure. Yeah. Yeah. Cause no, I mean, I could try that, but it, it, it takes a lot and there's not that much news, but if you make a molehill out of a, I don't know, what do you call it? Make a, I don't know. Make something bigger out of something small. Make you a can mountain get, out of a molehill. That's it. You could do it. You know, everything is important if you put a story behind it. That mail list, if you want to subscribe to it, it has about 2,000 people on it. Is I think it's just TIS space news. or Sorry, TIS news. TIS news. Subscribe to that in-game and you will... Uh, get a newsletter every once in a while. Otherwise, this podcast is like our main medium. And uh, the podcast we decided should be videotaped like it is now with us, so that we could actually screen share with you and point things out. And instead of just describing something, you could actually see it. And that became what, what we have now. All right. So thanks for welcoming me back, Rain. Thank you for holding it down. Yeah. Appreciate it. Everyone, every time, it feels like every time we stream, everyone's like, where's Madderall? And I tell them, like, he has a real life job. Please stop like bothering poor Madderall. That was a year and a half ago. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I mean, people missed you. I'm pretty sure they missed you. I think people are excited to see you back. I know, I know we at staff and, you know, sort of the quote unquote decision making channels at TIS are excited as heck. Well, I was expecting um, a good 20% of people to want to leave when I came back. <laughs> you think? Might, Why would they leave? Might still happen. Because I'm not I'm not necessarily a popular leader. Like there's a lot of there was a lot of fighting in the in the channels and uh, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a big happy family. It was just a family and families fight. So you know, there are people that disagree maybe, with me. Maybe I was say I disagree because maybe my perception of the at least the staff channel was everyone we'd fight, we do fight. But we never fight like mean. It's always like we argue about each other's opinions, like like passionately, maybe a little aggressively. 
I can be kind of mean in there. I know, but like, <laughs> no. I I adore every one of our staff members. Yeah, I should I should I should reiterate. It's not fighting like viciously. It's more, please get this right. Kind of fighting, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, there is a lot of that. Yeah, don't be ignorant. Get this right. It's like this, please. And it's uh, always how I know. What's that? How you know you say something wrong though is if you get like twenty pings as you're talking and you see people being like, "No, that's wrong. That's you're wrong. A, Fix that, this." That's actually part of the that's part of the secret, which is to say something. I don't mind looking like a fool every once in a while. Um, you know, too much and your credibility goes away. But I don't mind getting it wrong on purpose because that's how you get people to give you the real stuff. So it's kind of a bait. <laughs> Sometimes I'll say something with like, isn't it like this? And know that it's not complete or know that it's not even quite correct. And, and then people will actually take the time to correct you because it feels really good to correct somebody. But if you're just asking for information, nobody's going to take the time to help you because it's too much work for them. But if they get a chance to correct you, they're a little more motivated. <laughs> anyway, a little secret there. No, that's very true. Do you want to segue to the next topic about staff changes? Yeah, since we're here, and we'll talk about bigger news in a minute, but I do want to go back in time just for a minute, because the last time I was here was like a, about a year ago in July, and I was just visiting after being gone for another six months. So it's been about a year and a half, but I had just come back from, I want to say again, Thera. I went to the real life Thera on vacation, which was pretty cool. And it's an island in Greece. So when I was there, I was totally thinking about EVE Online and seeing how it was connected there. So that was a really cool thing. Yeah, for staff, we're going to have some changes. I think we'll see some We've already had three new recruits come in. I've I put out a recruiting call. I'm putting out an additional recruiting call in this podcast if you're interested in becoming a part of TIS. I think we just talked about what it's like. If you like EVE Online, if you're interested in it, if you have technical skills for streaming, we could probably benefit from your information. Yeah, so, you know, talk to me or Rain about joining Talking in Stations as a part of the tight community that is the staff. And we do a lot of work behind the scenes that doesn't, doesn't get seen here. So if you have expertise in the game, or if you have a high interest in EVE Online, but you may, may not know how to contribute, we can help with that. That said, also, there will be, there will be shakeups too. You know, we're going to look around and I was just talking to someone else about this. There's my my actual job, I think I'm, I'm pretty public about it, but I'm not going to get too public, is management. I, I manage a team of graphic designers and it's a, you know, it's a very, very large corporate job. And so it's very, there's a lot of rules and a lot of structure. And one of the things that we need to do and everybody should do, I think every corp, everybody in leadership should figure out how to do this. And that is create terrain for success. So some people that are high performers, you know, they're climbing up to the peaks and some people who just kind of want to hang out and lurk and maybe benefit and maybe sometimes in a bad way, benefit from other people's work, kind of sink to the bottom valleys. So you need to point that out that people who are performing high get rewarded and people who are not performing are held accountable or eliminated from the team. And so we will do that at Talking in Stations you have to do it 
in order to make things worth it. So there will be some changes for TIS crew and staff. We'll, we'll actually put in some incentives as well. That's also holding people accountable is, is, is rewarding them when they do stuff. When they, when, they're, when they are the ones coming through, they can't be treated the same as people who are not coming through. And then again, you have to look at some people don't need to come through all the time because they're subject matter experts and they can sit back and when their topic comes up, they can chime in, you know. So it's, it's different types of work. So not everybody's kind of treated the same, but we will have some staff changes. We'll also do some Discord changes to try to make Discord more, more, a little more vibrant than it is. It's kind of, we have like the same 10 people that are talking and there's, you know, 4,000, three or 4,000 people in it, but it doesn't really represent that. So let's, let's either try to fix it or let's just admit that it's a small Discord and live with that. And that would be fine too. Yeah, that sounds good. Speaking of staffing changes, so we did have a staffing change. I know I did the memorial stream, so I don't know if you guys saw that. That was me behind the scenes pressing the buttons. There was a memorial stream for Hateless Gaming. So Hateless was a valued contributor to TIS. He, he's been at TIS for, it feels like, probably years. Matterall will know this better, but years. Whether he's on screen actually talking, which he's done interviews with me, he's done interviews with Matterall, or behind the scenes where he's sharing information things that he finds out. He was a huge subject matter expert in you, especially in high sec and the money-making area. But he also did stuff with Poshvin. He did stuff, I mean, community and content creation. He was he was a huge dude in EVE Online, and he passed away a couple months ago. And so he will be sorely missed. We at TIS, I know Matter All wants to do changes. I'm going to push to have Hateless's account be memorialized. So that way, assuming if there's a malicious actor out there, it gets it. They can't do anything bad with it, but that way he can be shown as a value contributor of TIS forever. But yeah, so we will miss we will miss Hateless. There's a memorial stream. I know, Myro, you probably have more words about him too because you actually were able to discuss with him. I think you always talk about the show he and Suetonia did and mm-hmm. how how that was such a spontaneous show, but he was able to really contribute and show off his expertise there. It's our most popular show. So Hateless is a great, great guy and good player. He's a phenomenal player. He specialized in, he said he was a, you know, a proud care bear. That was the way he would do it. And he would say that because he's kind of taking the venom out of that criticism, right? Because in games, if you're a care bear, you're somebody who doesn't participate with other people. You kind of play the environment and you get good at playing the environment. He was totally proud of that and totally fine with that. But he actually was a PVPer in that he took evasive action, trying to get away from people, trying to steal the loot that he was collecting. But to me, he was, as I used to say to him and to the audience, he was like the Mozart of missions and and the environment, basically. So he was so good at this game in, I don't know how his mind worked, but it was unbelievable to see him handle multiple clients with ease, doing very complicated things. Any one of those clients would be too much for me to handle. Uh, And he was able to do five or six, you know, and do them all at the same time. And then he was able to figure stuff out. So Hateless was also, so he's so proficient at the game, but he was also a very kind person, as you could tell by the name Hateless. His whole agenda was to just kind of bring people together without all the garbage. And that was his philosophy. And unfortunately, he passed away very unexpectedly in his home area. And 
it was an incredible shock to everybody that watched his stream and knew of him, knew of him through TIS, but knew of him through his own works on his own channel. And it was devastating news. So a huge loss. It's really immeasurable. We're going to miss Hateless. But he was he left us some some really great shows that are in our archive. We put a playlist together with the stuff that Hateless was on, so you can check that out. The best show that I couldn't say the best, there's no best, but there is views if you want to measure it that way, was the show I think called Hunters and Evaders or something. It's a terrible name that I made. But the show was fantastic. And it was it was Hateless's idea. We were up one night. It was Saturday night, and Hateless would pop up, pop in every once in a while, and we're just talking. And I said, "Yeah, I don't really have anything to talk about tomorrow. It really hasn't been any news this week, so I don't know what we'll say." But you know what we just talked about, Hateless, was great. You know this, you know some of the techniques that you use to get away from people that are trying to take your loot. And he's like, "Yeah, throw Setonia in there. You know, we can. He and I can go at it." And just talk about it. And I was like, yeah, that's great. So I wrote Suetonia and Suetonia was up for it. Next morning we wake up and we have a show and there they are, the two of them talking about how to hunt people and take their loot. And, and from Hateless's point of view, how to avoid people who are trying to kill you. And it was high level. It was really, really interesting at all the techniques that are used. So I wouldn't say it was high level. It was like very low level, very detailed. Like the details were amazing. And that's why it's gotten, you know, 18, 20,000 views over time. It's the only one that's constantly generating. It's the only one that's really constantly generating views. So I think it went, it gets passed around, I think is what happens because it was so full, so dense with information. And that was, again, because of Hateless and uh, Suetonia, who's now, is he still CCP? CCP Kestrel, still on the QA team, as far as I know. CCP Kestrel. Is that where he landed? Q- QA? Yeah, so he started off in QA. I don't know if he's like been promoted or pivoted, because I think he's been there for a year now. So so how many uh, how many CCPers have come out of TIS, I wonder? There's at least... Swift. Yeah, Suetonia. I think there's a third. I can't think right now. We have a lot of CSM, I... but who cares? <laughs> not who cares yeah. they're awesome too actually we have some great experts but some of them actually graduated right into the company yeah that takes time though yeah kuda timberland wow in the audience kuda uh, is actually an old brave industrialist i think you know him from another podcast and i'm gonna forget what it was called it was a good name too kuda write down your old podcast so while I wait for that, speaking of CCP, Cap Stable. Ooh. That's it. Cap Stable. Good one. That was a really well-made one. Yeah, so, so we can kind of segue there. I know you wanted to talk about more game news. You don't want to make the show all about you and your, your welcome Our... back to the TIS. But uh, CCP actually recently just celebrated Eve's 20th anniversary. So what was it? May 6, 2003, Eve Online became public. Public. I don't know if that's the right word. I was actually published. Full release, et cetera. No beta. But we're not remember, counting the beta years. But no, there was there was beta going on before that. I think this is when it actually broke to the public. Yes. Although, as uh, if you didn't 
watch the CCP stream on the 20th anniversary. You should go back and watch that. Actually, Which was can, yesterday. Yeah. We can, so they streamed a long time. Yeah. They explained that the, you know, back then, the, you didn't just download the game. You had to go buy the discs in the store. And so there was a gap between people being able to purchase the game and then going home and installing it and then getting on. So they opened the doors and like nobody showed up for a few hours, making them kind of nervous. It's kind of funny. They had to ship it early and say, don't put on the shelves until May 6th. Oh, is that what it was? That's what you have to do, right? That like, so it's like, even now, it's like if you pre-download something, like you can sit on the launcher and it will say not released yet, only released at this time. And then you just wait. That's how most game launches now work. Yeah. Well, we're in a yeah, different world. I think I have that. I'll put this up for now. But that was a really, it was, you know, who's a, a fantastic, there's a lot of good CCP employees. I think they're the creme de la creme. All the people that work for CCP, if they came from EVE Online, are not your typical EVE player. They're advanced. And uh, I think that Bram Stoker, as he was called, who's now a CCP convict, is just brilliant at, at what he does. He's such a great community rep in that he dives in, for us, for older players, because he dives into the archives and he surfaces all this old stuff. And he's really good on history of the development of the game. If you're at all interested in that kind of information, he's, he's terrific at that. Yeah, so Hilmar actually came on that show and started talking about um, the past, you know, the past 20 years, what it's like for him. And uh, he said it was very interesting. His favorite expansion was Exodus, which to me is the first expansion, but it turns out it's technically not. There was an expansion before that called Caster. But Caster was, I wasn't here at EVE Online or playing EVE when this happened, but Ca Caster was kind of like the actual finishing touches on the original game. So it was a lot of fixes. Yeah, the first big patch of all the bug fixes. Yeah, which Things makes they didn't realize. total sense, doesn't it? Like, they probably launched kind of buggy. Well, they're like, oh, this will be fine. And then you have all these people testing it live. And they're like, oh, no, that's bad. <laughs> so they have to go <laughs> back and fix it. That's like every game, though. Like every game, it's like you don't buy the game and play on release. You wait like three months. And then hopefully by then they've patched out all the bugs. And then like, and then you can play and get prepared for like the first like DLC or whatever they have. Yes. And so that first DLC would have been, or expansion, as they call it, or update, whatever you want to call it, was Exodus. And that was Hilmar's favorite because that's when the player-owned Starbases came out, which are pauses. And for us now, and EVE Online, pauses are relics that, you know, we, we joke about pause code not being able to be written out of the game, therefore it's limiting the development of the game. And so pause code has become this kind of a joke. And now if you see a player-owned tower, it's, it's a relic from the ancient past. But when they first came out, they were very interesting because that's when you saw people start to build villages in space. And I think that's when the game took, took a really big turn towards dimension, dimensionality in that people could start to live in this game and build homes and accrue wealth and that sort of stuff that was a more permanent way of playing a game than than what people had seen before so that was his favorite that's exciting though 
Yeah, I still miss that kind of feeling of your corner of space. I think that's a real draw for this game is I'm going to either make my mark if you want to be famous or I'm going to find my corner in space and just cultivate a little farm. You know, like it, it has a frontier feeling of uh, I can I can play Eve online. I can build my own little situation, a little of this, a little of that. And this game's going to go on for a long time. So it's a good investment. Yeah. I think Eve, like nowadays, I think Eve struggles with, what is it? The longevity and the min-maxing that players do. And it's not like, it's not the player's fault, right? Players want to make the most use of their time. Yeah. But every time CCP releases something, like no matter how much they try to keep it obscure, it's like within a week and players have figured out how to min-max something. Yeah. And then player, players are so organized now. Like back then, you had like what? It was 2003. That was like what? Vent, maybe? Ventrilo, oh, Ventrilo? of like chatting. Oh, no. Yeah. Teams so, before that. But yeah. Did Teams speak too? Okay. Because yeah. like back then, it was, oh, you can only communicate in the game. And maybe you use the chat. But now it's like players are so organized outside of the chat that no matter how much you try to limit things in the game, players can just organize, build a guide, make a YouTube video, put it out there. And then now everyone has it. And I think that was a lot of the draw of Eve was that it was this brutal game that didn't teach you how to play and you join it and suddenly the world was your oyster. Like you had a real, like we, people talk about exploration. There's no actual exploration in Eve anymore. Everyone's been everywhere, right? Caddy SA has been to every single system. Everyone's been every, right, you know, so every, too. people have touched yeah, it. A few people. So it's yeah. one of those things where it's like people will know, people already know what's out there. Like you can look up a system and find it and see all this stuff there and what you should look for. And so there's, and so, but back then it was, oh, you may be the first person in a system or, oh, you may be the first one to discover this anomaly or mission and you have no idea what to do and how do you beat it? And once you master that, then that information's yours and yours to keep. Yeah. It's like going into the wilderness and feeling like you're away from civilization and then somebody rides a bike past you. It's like... Yeah. Or like you get <laughs> lost and then like they send in a helicopter to pick you up off yeah, the mountain totally. or whatever. They pull you right out. Yeah. Well, funny that, yeah, the timeline doesn't work right because they developed the game with certain things in mind, right? And, and and the thing about CCP is they developed this game in a way that was different than other MMOs. One of the reasons it's still around is because it had certain hooks that you could get hooked by that weren't typical, like this, you know, skills being time-based, the one shard factor that, you know, there is no multiple servers and no instances so that, you know, whatever happened, happened to the awareness of everybody. And, uh, and that was very different than other games at the time. And even now still unique, but what CCP had to do is provide things to do in this, you know, this, uh, this landscape, you, you can have a sandbox, which is what they have, but you also need to provide things for them to go and harvest. And so, uh, and progression for them to really you know, look forward to. So they made a battleship and they figured that, you know, if we, if we do the calculations and they did a lot of work on these calculations to figure out that it took three years to build a battleship, therefore it would be a group effort and it would take a long time. And so they could basically like, you know, buy themselves some time to develop the game further as people trying to build battleships. Well, they, I think they did it in like a month or something because they figured out how, how to do something. Which was, it was the jet can mining technique, which if you don't know what that is now, ask any miner around you on how to jet can mine. But that was not something that CCP had planned for or expected, and it allowed people to mine a lot more. 
than they should have. And so, boom, battleships already accomplished. What now? And what's funny is they said, well, well let's, let's just go big. And so they made these things called Titans, and they were more fabled than anything else. And because of the lesson of the battleship, they decided they were going to make the Titan impossible to build. So they, they just made the requirements almost literally a thousand times more than a battleship, which would have taken not three years, but like nine, you know, even at the rate that they were going. It was incredible that uh, Ascendant Frontier, which was one of the early alliances, kind of a mid, not early, early alliances, but, you know, in, in that first seven years of EVE, was able to build it. They had about 4,000 names under them, which is less players, but 4,000, let's say, 4,000 people, four months to build the first Titan, which died like the next day. Because <laughs> there were people hunting that thing. I talked to Cyvok, Rain, I don't know if I ever mentioned this, I talked to Cyvok a few times in recent history, and I asked him, I was like, you know, what's what people don't understand is what it took to build a Titan back in the day because it's become kind of pedestrian now. But back then, it took a lot of people a lot of time. Again, it took an entire alliance of, let's say, 4,000 people, four months to do that. That's, that seems like a long effort, but they wanted to be first. But there was more to it than just that. They had to basically obscure the fact that they were even doing it. So they had to have fake operations of mining in other areas to throw off the enemies that were all hunting this, uh, this fable titan that was being created. And there were other groups that were creating them, but they were wanting to kill the competition or at least delay the competition so they could be first. So they, they mined a lot more than they, they might have needed to just to throw people off the scent. Well, it paid off. I mean, they obviously got the first, right? They did it, yeah. They built the first one. I think it was an avatar that was... I, I, I think I saw it die. Steve. It a, yeah. Yeah, the avatar named Steve. And that that avatar didn't last one day. It actually lasted like a week or something. And of course, it was Band of Brothers, modern day Northern Coalition, I guess, that actually hunted it down and killed it pretty quick. And then they started springing up. But I don't. I think it, by the time you were, you know, 2009, 2010, you still had, anytime a Titan died, it was news. It was like big news. And people, you know, said the biography of the pilot. And it was, that's, that's kind of how it was back there. Well, a little bit more on this, uh, a little bit more on this stream, the CCP stream that they just did for 20th anniversary of EVE Online. Hilmar said a few things that were very interesting. One was that they that progression problem where they would put out a goal and players would just defeat that goal way ahead of time. That happened with battleships and titans, as I just explained. Well, CCP used the Palantine, I think. I think that's what it's called. Palantir? Palantine? Yeah, the Palantine. Yeah. Or Palantine. Tell, tell me about that. So that's that's the legendary Keepstar. Only one can be placed. They, I think players have done the calculations for the resources needed, and I don't think that the there's like even enough resources. So even if you could buy all the resources of like a single item, it's not enough to even build it right now. Like people have to dedicate so much time. Palatine, I always want to say like Palpatine, like <laughs> yeah, from Star Wars or whatever it is. 
but that's the thing, right? And so, but when you have it, only one could be placed, so you'd have to build it. And then when you place it, I think it tells everyone that it's been placed. Like, hey, Palpatine Keepstar has been placed. Like, good luck. And so the thought process is no player wants to build it because if there's only one exists and it creates so much effort to build, literally everyone is going to go and shoot that Keepstar. Like, think of think of something like M2 or, you know, those X-47 fights we've been seeing for these past couple of years. Think of that, but instead of people fighting each other, it's everyone shooting the Keepstar. Because everyone just wants to be on the Keepstar kill mill. Everyone wants, you know, this piece of history of the first Pal- Palatine Keepstar that does. Yeah, and there there have been some group efforts, but it's been like trying to be like a community group effort. I think somebody was on the forums saying, hey, if you have these resources, you can donate to them them to me or let me know and I'll buy them. And he gave up after a couple of years. <laughs> yeah, it's it's another theoretical goal that they made it so high that players wouldn't be able to achieve them. I think when it first came out, there wasn't, you're right, there wasn't enough material in the game that existed to be able to build it. So it was yeah. an impossibility to build. I think that was back in like 2016, though. So that's been quite some time. Yes. Because so, somebody in chat is saying that you could probably build it now. I think that's right. Yeah, should be. We went through a, a, a about four years of a lot of harvesting wealth being picked up. Well, another thing that Hilmar was talking about, which was funny, it was an offhanded comment, but he said they had progression for players as far as skills, right? And you had like years and years of skills that you could skill into if you started playing EVE Online. And, you know, money or getting money is a whole different thing, building certain ships and getting into ships, a whole different thing. But they also had a tech level system. So you could get yourself, like they had a whole progression of tech. And he said, theoretically, they had planned out going up to tech level seven. And so he said, we still have some headroom there. Now, mostly a joke, because we only have tech one and two and partially three. And so there's still four to seven to go if they wanted to go that way. That's a lot. Although I'm I'm running into that now too. I think I think CCP has talked about this. I don't remember if this was with you at all, but they talk about how there's ships in the game and it takes a lot of time to build those ships, but players also have to have something to work towards for skills. So I started in 2014, so I'm coming up on like nine and a half years into this game, but I'm at the point now where unless I train capitals, I'm slowly running out of skills to train. Like I can fly like every single subcap except the PVE ones. I can pretty much do everything I want. Like all the ships I fly, like the Tristan, and whatnot are all specialized, so I can fly them quote-unquote perfectly. And so it's one of those things where they also have to have stuff for players to do, and not just, okay, player, like, okay, Rain, just train missiles spec 5 or whatever, right? And I can train all the spec 5 skills, but it doesn't. It adds like a minuscule amount of change that it's not really worth it to me. It's not like I can fly something new or shiny. And so CCP's also having to address that with the older players, because right, like I've only been in this game maybe one decade, whereas other people like you have been here way longer. It's one of those of how do you keep people hooked and playing when they can't use their skills? Yeah, there was a time when there was this really cool website called Skill Tracker, I think. And Skill Tracker kind of showed you really good proficiency and uh, proficiency certificates. And a proficiency certificate is basically like, here's a plan that will get you into a certain gameplay. So if you want to be a scout, for instance, these are the skills that you need at these levels 
that was the plan. And if you got those levels, you got the certificate. And so then you could use that as part of your resume to join a corporation, say, look, I can, I'm, I'm proficient in this. I could do this. I have the skills required to fly the ship and to do the things. But the EVE Online has those in the game or had them in the game. They just weren't realistic. And then you had Skill Tracker that was more like a player's version of it. And that was realistic. And again, EVE Online now has proficiencies built into the game. So you can look at a ship and see the proficiencies, not only see what's required, but you can see the proficiencies if you look at information on the ship and yourself. But those are not realistic because in order to get to the, the top level of proficiencies, like all level fives on all these things, and some people do it just to do it. But in reality, in reality, having level five on certain things is kind of like, what are you doing? Like, why would you do that? You don't need that. And it's too much. And you just wasted, you know, a month and a half worth of training for something that's completely not necessary. But by the time you get no. to Reigns, I was going to say age. I don't know if I should say that, but, you know, experience. Age game. <laughs> game age. Maybe that's all you have time. To, that's like, maybe you just pick up those fives. The problem is, is that like, unless I'm trying to do something super specialized, like again, Alliance tournament, if I were doing the Alliance tournament, makes perfect sense. Or if I'm trying to be a lot of people, a lot of people will do this, right? Like if you're in Pandemic Legion or NC Dot, you specialize those skills because then you can be like top damage on kill mails when you're flying in a fleet, you know, like a subcap fleet or whatever. Like unless you're doing something like that, like it's not like I'm like, oh guys, I can work towards this brand new shiny ship. Let me go work towards it. And then I can fly it around and try it out and do this, all this new stuff. Like there's no draw to that for me, right? Like they literally have to release new ships in order for me to get there because I've played for so long that I have all the ships now. Yeah. And even then, like I said, I mentioned, like I only focus on subcaps with my main, but if I want to do capitals, I have my alts. So it's not like, oh, now I can put my character in a Titan because I should already have a Titan alt or a Fax alt or, you know, like a Roracle alt where I can fly all the mining ships. So that's one of the things where CCP has to consider that when trying to keep older players hooked. Yeah. It's difficult, I'm sure. Without sacrificing the catch-up ability of the newer players to yes, participate. Very true. So they've always had to negotiate, like, how do you placate experienced people, but giving them more goals, more progression, at the same time not making them out of reach competitively from people who are coming into the game later. And I, I think they've kind of gone back and forth on on how they've done that. Now I've noticed that the, the world I feel belongs to the new players. I think that calculation might have happened around 2017. And we can talk about that later, why I think that. But not to get too far off, I, I think you mentioned something that I wanted to pick up on, and that was, you know, tournament, tournament-ready skills. Yeah. Yeah. That's different. Like, I think you That's come That's peak endgame. Yeah. You come into the game and you you... You, you know, learn the skills that you need to, to, to participate. Then you learn the skills to be pretty good at it. Uh, and then there's tournament level. Yeah. So tournament level, cause that's truly, truly even playing field. I think if what you want to call it an Eve. So a lot of the draw of Eve, and we talked about this of, you want to be able to, it's like single shard servers. So everyone who plays is in the same area as you. It's persistent. It's sandbox. So the draw of anything can happen at any time. Is like suit like super important to people where the connections you make and the things you do matter, and then the tournament kind of gets rid of all that because what it says is okay, you want to fight people, all right, ten of you versus ten of another guy, 
pick your ships, but here are the limits of the ships you pick and the fits that they can do. And we're going to throw you into arena and good luck. And so that's where, like, I talk about, you know, those spec five skills, like those don't matter to me, right? Like the grand scheme of things are very few instances where that is going to make a, like a life or death, death difference in my fights. But in the tournament, that is all that matters because there's nothing of like, oh, Rain, your skills are slightly bad, but it's okay. You have 50 other munins behind you shooting the same bad guy. This time it's Rain, you are the only munin on the field. You have to be able to kill someone. And so that's the like critical thing of like, the like small percent differences make small number differences. And it could be like maybe up to a dozen of like difference in speed of your ship, but that's super critical or the speed and how far you can shoot or not the speed, the distance and how far you can shoot. And that's super critical. And I think that's a huge draw of in game. And that's why players have pushed CCP for so long to have the Alliance tournament. So Eve turns 20 this year. This is Alliance tournament 19 coming up. So it's one of those, we've had a few years and gaps, and I think there's been some years where maybe they, I don't know, maybe they double up. Yeah, the but first that's, years. Yeah, but that's one of those things where it's like, those are huge draw to players, and I think CCP is realizing that, yes, it's social, and yes, it's like a, essentially an expense sink, right? Because they don't, and they don't make money off of the Alliance tournament or whatever, unless they're selling skins. Mm-hmm. But that's so critical to like keeping players engaged and hooked and drawing people in, and then also a way to, for them to release new ships. I think also it, it kind of gives you something to work for, right? As an as yeah. an experienced player, yeah, exactly I, for sure. I think the biggest benefit of the alliance tournament it used to be a great spectator sport because the alliance tournament was alliances, so you could cheer for the alliance name. And, uh, over time, you've you've developed specialized teams that really only do the alliance tournament or are mostly about it, and they're the ones that are the high high level players that end up winning the thing. So, I think at, there was a time where the audience kind of fell out. And the people who watch it now are, are people who like to see high performers perform. And maybe that's a good place for it. But what it does do for the game, and I think that what its main value is now, so its old value was cheering for your team, but its new value now is keeping those players who are so proficient at the game, those hunters around. Yeah, exactly. It's also one of those, Oh no, I just completely lost my train of thought. Oh, there are ways CCP can you be use it to re-engage the player base, right? So a lot of people talk about there used to be gambling in the game through third parties, and now that's all gone. But now people are asking CCP, like, hey, you want to keep us engaged? Like, I'm a big money maker, I have all this isk. I want to be able to bet on people to be able to make a turn a profit. And CCP can kind of use that. I'm hoping that they add something in the game or encourage something in the game. To where people can gamble, just you know, just isk, and they can do it through CCP, and it's just bet on a winner, or you know, maybe something simple starting out, bet on a winner, and then that way, it, like, it keeps people engaged and hooked, and now suddenly more people care about these alliances, and now those stories you can tell with some of these alliances, because some of them are still really, really old, like like Pandemic Legion is from like the ye olden times in the history of Eve, <laughs> and like if so, when they compete, instead of just being like, oh, hey kids, here's a team, like here's Team ABC, it's here's this team and here's their history and here's why this match is important to them or why this rivalry is important to them. And I think, I think that's really good for the game, right? Like even smaller, like I, we talk about null sec teams a lot. Mm-hmm. The smaller teams like red versus blue teaming up is super interesting or specter fleet, which is like a community run organization, which okay. then turned into an alliance so they could compete. Or like even, I think Castabouts is like my favorite because it's literally a group that uses the NPC corp, which is like people had no idea like you could even do that. 
And some of those storied teams, I think, are super important to tell the players to say, like, you don't have to be big, bad, evil guy sitting on Nullsec to be able to do some of these things. You can come in and join and participate now. And here's why it's important. Oh, so good for recruiting. If you did well in the Alliance tournament, you got, I mean, the prize money was one thing, but the recruiting potential was great. Look at like a rote Capel or dead terrorists, you know, they, they perform well in the, and there's a lot of new names. Those are kind of mid, mid age names perform very well. And they get a selection of people and they can be selective about who they let in. Yeah. I think that's really important. Eve's all about all the players and the community organization that players do. Yeah. <clears throat> and also, I think it also elevated certain countries in real life. When Romanians had RUR or, oh, I forgot their other, what were they called? They won in Lions Tournament. I think it's Lions Tournament 4. Then you think like, wow, Romanians are really good at this game. You know, yeah. or Russians, God, those Russians really own the worm, you know. Whatever, like it elevates different groups so that you start to kind of fear them, but respect them. And yeah, I think, uh, how was it called? Something Gates, I forget what it's called, but they were, uh, I think they were Romanian and they were basically the core of fountain locals that used to just cause havoc on anybody that tried to colonize. Unreloaded, that's it. Yes, thank you. So they're Hungarian <laughs> Romanian. Oh, they're Hungarian. Yeah. RUR, I think, was Romanians, but. Oh, okay. Yeah. And they had, you know, they were just really proficient players and they made their name or enhanced their name through Alliance tournaments. So I thought, you know, just remembering this an international game and, and fearing and these other groups was kind of a cool thing. They could make their rep that way. Anyway. Yeah, it's super. Oh, go ahead. And I'll say it's it's super exciting stuff. And I'm I'm glad CCP brought it back. They've kept it around all these years. Another staple of like what is Eve and the Eve community and whatnot. Well, it's CCP did bring it back, but it's really sponsored by certain devs, right? Like, is it still that way? Yeah, well, the player devs, so the players who become devs, right? So it started out with Aurora. Aurora was the huge proponent. Swift came on, helped support her, oh, and then yeah. now it's passed to CCP Zalus, who used to be a player. Oh, yeah. And then, like, this is the first, maybe second year, I think, CCP Reload, or Overload, came on, I think, around the Alliance Tournament last year, and so he should be fully onboarded this year. But that's one of those things where it's like, like, these players love the, ge love the game so much, and they love something like the tournament so much, that now they're wanting to work at CCP so they can bring it back and keep it going, because that's how passionate they are about it. Yeah, there's the appearance of the cat and the, ta the tail. She's been sitting next to me. If you see me look off screen, it's kind of looking at her. Oh, oh, sorry. Getting into your mic. Yeah, Zealous, CCP Zealous, rather new CCPer, but very well known as a player before that, not only of EVE Online, but also Valkyrie. I was very good at that. So, oh, yeah. Captain, is it, Valkyrie. Captain Stargazer was a player name. I, I think it's... Is that considered General a Stargazer. General, that's it. General. Oh, I just demoted him. Oh, sorry, man. <laughs> uh, didn't mean to do that. One of my best friends in EVE was Tiberius Stargazer. So I always get them confused. Yeah. Well, I know I know both of them. They're super wholesome people. I love them. Yeah. But General Stargazer is a fantastic player, good commentator, and really put a lot of work into the Alliance tournament. As did you, Rain. You really... You know, at a time when I was 
I, w- I was just not happy with the Alliance tournament. I felt like it had get, it almost been hijacked to become a different thing. So I was very, very much not a fan of Alliance tournament. You were totally sticking up for it. And so, you know, you're yes. one of those players that kept it around. Yeah, I, I tried. I didn't do a lot of like, po- like putting on a tournament or, you know, behind the scenes work. But I did a lot of like, publicity talking about it getting people involved showing people why it's important because i don't think it, for the longest time it didn't have that it was like all the only time you could watch the alliance tournament and learn about the alliance tournament was either through player tournaments so like eve tv or was actually watching it itself there wasn't any like all these groups talking about or doing interviews or anything along those lines so a lot of the players really brought that into like the limelight and has really kept it going because now even now we'll talk about an interview teams for like the official Lions tournament and stuff. Yeah. Well, good. Glad they're back. I think this fall is going to be exciting because it's 20 years in, it's 20 years of Eve online. Yesterday was again, the, the first public launch and they're going to have a fan fest. It's going to celebrate all that. So try to make it to Iceland if you can, where CCP is from that is happening this fall <clears throat> and, uh, and look for more events happening. There's, Login rewards now. I think there's 20 days of rewards. I think you still have like 23 days, 24 days to get them all. So you still have time to get them all. It should get about half a million skill points. Very much worth it. It's a lot of skins too. And ships. The free sister, society of conscious thought. Not sister of conscious thought. <laughs> there, so that's that's still there too. With that, CCP also announced the name of their next expansion, Viridian. They had mentioned... There's some things that they're mentioning with it like... Things we've kind of expected. So they're reworking court management. They have mm. like LP tax. A lot of these we've mentioned, like we've expected, but the new one was the Tech Two Dreads. Uh, yeah. So we're, well, we're it was it was Tech Two Capitals until yesterday. Then they said yes, it's yes. Dreadnoughts. So. so I think that's like that's going to be really exciting. We don't. I want to talk about it, but we don't have much information until we actually can see what they're releasing. So it's all spectating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll spectating have... speculation. Yeah, we'll have shows, it's spectating too, we'll have shows in the future about it as st- stuff becomes more clear and is announced. There will be social-driven content. I believe they say corporations and corporate leaders will be able to make content for their people. A lot of this is kind of the following the trends that they've been doing before, but I think what I'm really excited about is the corporation controls. That will be interesting. That was supposed to happen. Oh, six years ago, a long time ago, but it got postponed. Yeah, a lot of people are desperate for something. I I run a corp and it's literally me and my alts and it's still confusing to me. So like they're updating it, making it so incentivizes people. Like there's websites. Gosh, what's the website called? I completely forgot now. There's a website now though where you can like um, third party tool, you can use it to like create, hey guys, we want to mine X, Y, and Z. Give that to the corp and we'll pay you out. Well, stuff having to use in-game tools, they have to use third-party. So CCP, I think, is now trying to incorporate those third-party tools to say, no, this is a great idea. Why don't we have this in the game? So that way people can do it. But yeah, not only are we going to have shows with these sort of updated new topics, we're also going to have shows that deep dive into certain areas of expertise. Matter already mentioned, we have more more folks onboarding into the staff channels, and they want to talk about what they're passionate about. So we want to give them a platform to do that. Um, we didn't run ads today, in in game ads. So we we do have a couple more advertisers too. So keep an eye out for those and show them your support, because those are the ones that can help us keep running. 
easy, easily, flawlessly, etc. <laughs> yeah, it helps. Yeah, so I think uh, you were looking for Eve Pandora, according to Teal there. If yes, I Eve Pandora. Yes, okay, yeah, Teal got it. Yeah, it's super cool. Like, it's been around forever, and mm -hmm. now CCP's like, yay, we can finally incorporate that. Well, you'd think they'd build on that mining ledger that they created, right? So they can actually track things. Now, if you take those metrics and you attach mechanics to them, you can pay out automatically. It becomes less effort to reward people for doing, you know, things you want. I could see things moving in that direction. The big deal is that there's a lot of espionage in EVE Online. You join someone else's corporation, and if you get, if you happen to get keys because you earn their trust, you can betray them and take take their belongings. But there's also this avenue of the, the CEO just doesn't know the mechanics very well, and somebody sneaks in that does know the mechanics, and they end up getting one over, either taking over the whole place or you know, all kinds of nefarious things. And it's just hard to trust people when the mechanics are so ambiguous or there's so much opacity to it. Yeah, and I, I'm usually, so I'm all for people metagaming and doing their espionage work. But what's really frustrating is like losing control of your corporation or your assets just because you don't know how it works. And it's very difficult in EVE to know how any of that works, right? Like, there's a lot of things that aren't clear at all. So if you say, oh, directors can do bad things. So I'm not going to give anyone director role. You can still do bad things with the other roles. It's just not as clear. And even then you're like, oh, I want to sign a director. How do I do that? And you have to like fumble through multiple tabs. And then each tab has multiple tabs below it. And then there's like a list. And so it, it just becomes extremely cumbersome with the EVE Online Corporation UI of like getting people into your, your corp and then assigning them roles and granting them access or removing that access or trying to do any of that. And it's so frustrating. Yeah. Or, and like, I'll even go as far to say as like, if you're a new player trying to join, trying to find like a corporation based on the criteria and all this is just really bad. Like it's just so yeah. cumbersome and not intuitive. You know, I, I kept saying for a long time, I wanted to create some kind of social gather, social tool that allowed you to match up with the people you really wanted to match up with. I called it, Eve Grinder, I think, or Eve, something like that. I kept calling it Grinder, and I was calling it the wrong. That's a bad name. <laughs> it's a bad name. That is right? wrong. <laughs> yeah. Don't call it Grinder. It's funny because I was looking at that. I was as I was going through the hateless shows that we had, and that's the show where I was like, "That's what I want. I want Eve Grinder." And uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my there's there's hateless going. I don't know if you want that. Right, <laughs> yeah, so everyone in Twitch is going to know. But yeah, you don't want to call it Eve Grinder. There's other names you could do that are probably more appropriate and less less lewd, I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, <clears throat> so the, anyway, something that gets to the, the point is something that gets to the bottom of like, you know what? That is actually what I want to do. And that is actually what that group does. Because right now, recruiting has always been the widest net possible. And you end up with... Um, you know, just advertising that you do everything. But the, the reality is you do that one thing that people are looking for once every four months. And so it's not true. So yeah, but something a little more like that. But I think these will be controls for people. I think it's totally fine if you are duped and somebody earns your trust and they then betray you. That's part of gameplay. But if you literally didn't know that someone could screw you over because they hit a certain button at a certain time, that feels like cheating. So they need to fix a lot of that stuff. I think they will. All right. Well, yeah. And so, oh, go ahead. 
I'll say if you want to close it out, I'm going to answer El Draken in chat because he wants to be in, he's interested in Eve but doesn't really like PvP. And you can't play Eve without PvP. You just have to know that sometimes the PvP isn't something you willingly participate in. So if you're out in space, you can get ganked. It's not super common, but it is possible. And that the more expensive and blingy you fly, the more likely a target you'll be. If you fly something smaller or faster, right, like a smaller ship that can move really fast, you're less likely to be a target. But you can play EVE without PvPing. The PvP is definitely the fun part, though. It depends on how you approach the the game itself. If you were if you were taking evasive action as you know, either concepting it out by saying I'll take a smaller, faster ship as opposed to a slower, bigger ship with more armor, let's say, as Rain was pointing out, you're already participating in PvP. You're just on the defensive side of it. You're trying to get by. And one of the real attractions to Eve, as you will find, is that you are always in danger. And so you always have to keep vigilance and you do it by educating yourself. And that's the hook. So you, the more you learn, the better you get at doing certain things. And, but I think what you're saying is you don't want to go hunting after people and you don't want to be bothered with as much as possible. And you can live that way. In fact, that's how I play this game and have for the last 10 or 15 years. I don't, I don't really PVP at all. I just live in the environment, avoid people who try to kill me and, and give advice and tell stories. That's for me, totally the best way to have a hobby related to this kind of a game. So yeah, you could definitely play EVE Online. I think there's a gigantic portion of the game that doesn't want to participate in PvP. And, But I think once you do PvP, if you get past the fear factors or if you get past the risk-averse nature of it, of the game then you might find that it's exciting, you know, because you'll get a win. You'll get a win every once in a while. Even if you lose 12 times, you'll, you'll, you'll get a win and that'll feel pretty good. And as long as it doesn't become ugly and, and, it, and it normally doesn't, I think people are pretty polite. People sometimes kill other people and then give them more money than their ship was worth because, you know, that's a smart PvP or they're trying to keep, keep people motivated to play. But there's different ways to approach the game and definitely not participating in PvP is totally legitimate and a big part of it. All right. One thing I wanted to talk about, which is very interesting, and we won't talk long because we've already gone over time. I think our introduction on me returning is was probably a bit long. I'll just cut it out of the whole That's thing. okay. <laughs> no, uh, just keep it. It's fine. The, um, the CCP Discord has an AI bot. You can ask it a lore question. And the artificial intelligence will actually summarize, you know, what you're asking and and give you back an answer. And I think it's actually specialized for EVE Online. So funny because I believe that's the best lore guy that the game has. It's a machine. It was unbelievable because it actually speaks in a way that you can understand it. And I just thought that was brilliant. It's long overdue. Sorry to all my lore friends that have spent so many hours reading and diving into and interpreting lore. There's some people who excel at that at a level that is unbelievable to understand the backstory of Eve online and to be able to make sense of it and extrapolate some of the meaning. It's just a whole nother level of gameplay. And uh, the problem is that we can't connect to it because whenever you talk to specialized people, 
they speak in a language to themselves. And part of that is because they're, they're sharing in very brief language. I'm thinking about, you know, gang warfare guys too, right? They're, they're speaking in all these like acronyms and you do it, Rain, you know, you throw out acronyms and it's like, you're running through oh, this yeah, yeah. so fast and you're speaking to people who can understand you and interpret you. And that's who you're talking to. The rest of us though, are kind of having to sit out or, you know, record it and listen to it five times and then try to break out the acronyms and try to figure out what you're talking about and then say, oh yeah, yeah, go faster. And so the same thing with lore, it's a lot of names that are, I don't know if you realize this, but Icelandic language, or at least the stuff that's in Eve that they picked from Icelandic language is incredibly difficult to read because it, they almost switch vowels around or something. It's like, you think you're reading it right, yeah. you're reading it wrong. Well, a lot of those names in EVE Online are like that. You think you're reading it right, but you're reading it wrong. And so it becomes very frustrating just to read EVE literature. So if AI can interpret it for you in archetypal ways that are very understandable, then maybe you get into it a little more. We shall see. Are you going to try out the bot and see if it helps you? With Gang Warfare? No, I think I'm hopeless uh, with Gang Warfare. But No, with Lore. Yeah, with Lore, yes, for sure. Okay. Yeah, I love stories. Those are like, uh, here's, a, here's a piece of advice for everybody who has, <clears throat> and I'm sure a lot of you do, young children, is teach them how to tell stories. Because if you become any kind of, if you want to become any kind of executive, and I'm not saying that way, that's what you should do. But if you do want to become any kind of executive, you need to take complicated information and make it understandable to your audience. And your audience, a lot of times, is, you know, you need to explain it at a, at a fifth grade level. So learn to tell stories, learn to break down complicated things in an uncomplicated ways, learn to get to the, the center of things that actually matter. Those skills are going to be very useful in the future because between robotics and artificial intelligence, a lot of the drilling skills, the skills that you drill for, in other words, repeat and repeat and practice and repeat and repeat and practice, even playing the piano. Like, I think that's area where, you know, machines are going to be able to outperform you as far as patterns go. So instead of memorizing patterns, learn to narrate to humans. I think you'll be okay navigating the future of work. Wow, where'd that go? Where'd that come from? I guess it's You're a, talking about stories. The and futuristic then you... game, yeah. So it yes. ties in. I mean, Eve's entering its third or its third decade, so yeah, It'll I've always appreciated see their, how it evolves. them being on top of like sci-fi. So I've never really winced when they get into stuff like oh, we didn't talk about this, but we can talk about it later. NFTs or uh, this crypto thing, and you know, there's a lot of. There's a lot to talk about there, but I, I never flinch when CCP is trying to get into new things. They pick the wrong new things, like virtual reality, not so much. If they had actually worked on virtual intelligence or machine learning, maybe we'd be somewhere, you know, but it's never too late to switch. And I do like when they get into things because this is a futuristic game for people who are interested in futurism. So there you go. Right. So I think we are, Go ahead. we're going to wrap it up. Yeah. Any final thoughts? Are those all your final thoughts? Oh, yeah. I'm tapped. Yeah. So to kind of summarize everyone, we're going to have new staff. 
new show sort of introduction flow, and then we're going to start diving into deep into in-depth topics with subject matter experts, whether they're staff or otherwise. But thank you everybody for sticking around. I know it's been quite some time since we've had a show. That's partially on me, but we've also had changes here, so we wanted to make sure coming back and continuing the show was of quality. But I appreciate everybody's time. It's good to see you all again. Take care and have a good day. Thank you, everyone. Have a good day. <laughs>